Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. And uh, this week we're going to talk about all things holiday season. It might be a little bit doom and gloom, but uh, I think it's well well needed. Having just come back from holiday, I think it's only fair that we chat about the holiday. So I wanted to talk about the penalties that are facing British Airways and Marriott. And I know that you had a very interesting article from the BBC talking about the Home Office algorithm for letting people come into the country. So... Mm -hmm. How do you want to start this, Regina? Shall we start with the uh, BA Marriott fines? Because they've been ongoing for quite some time now. So um, I think, was it two years ago that the breach actually happened? Because it was just after GDPR came into force, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was two weeks in August. So I think it hit the press in the September 2018. But I think it was for the two-week period over what was the busiest, I think, the busiest holiday season. So... Mm -hmm. British Airways were issued an intent to fine by the Information Commissioner. And I think it's fair to say that just because there's an intention to fine, it doesn't mean that that is what actually will happen. Companies have the right to challenge that uh, fine to the Commissioner and use their big legal might to take on the minnows that is the uh, Information Commissioner. So the breach exposed personal information of travellers. It said it didn't expose any credit card information, for example, but Mm -hmm. it was the size of the breach that I think was quite overwhelming. Yeah. Um, So they were, uh, the intent to find them was 183 million, which is, yeah. Significant. (laughs) It's a phenomenal amount of money. And at the beginning of this year, so what happens is the regulation allows for there to be a six-month period after the intent to fine for a company to put forward its objections to that fine in what is called a tier one tribunal. So they clearly put forward their objections and uh, the commissioner was listening and had delayed her decision. And in the beginning of January, there was the intention to issue final notice in April. Mm. Funnily enough, we had a pandemic. The travel industry has been utterly decimated and there was views that the fine may come down significantly because of the pandemic and because of the challenges that have been put forward from the legal teams. So I saw an article this week that said in the bottom line of the accounts for IAG, who I think yeah, they do. They're, they're over the, the sort of holding company, sort of umbrella company that sits across a number of airlines. Gotcha. That they had put in, their accountants had allocated 10% of the fine to their budget, oh, which okay. would indicate that they have had a conversation with the commissioner um, and that they have come to some kind of an agreement. Now, to be fair, 10% of £183 million is still £18.3 million. Pounds. It will still be the biggest fine that this country has ever issued. That um, is very significant. Still. Yeah, much more when considering the only other fine that's actually been levied at the moment has been the uh, dispensary pharmacy company in London, which yeah. was £500,000. And Marriott, who were around the same time, had one of their companies they bought had been subject uh, to a breach which involved a significant number of millions of records. They were told that they would be fined, I think it was like 99 million or something around that kind of figure. Yeah, it was again up that way. So they've been given a 
a stay of execution until September. Right. Um, and again, in the bottom line of their figures, the accountants have allocated 50% of the fines that will be okay. around 40, 45 million pounds. So again, a significant amount of money. And even though we're in a pandemic, it's still there. So I just wanted to make the point that it takes a long time from the point of a breach happening for actually the penalty to actually come into force and stuff. And there are opportunities for companies to put forward their legal stance on why they think that the fine might be a little bit too high. And obviously there has to be a come into an agreement as to what that looks like. So even though we're in a pandemic and the travel industry is on its knees, these companies are still going to get fined. Yeah, and I think it's um, interesting because I think a lot of people have kind of looked and obviously it's now two years since GDPR or over two years since GDPR was introduced or became enforceable. And I think some people have looked at the lack of high fines and thought, oh, well, actually, it's not really any different to what it was before. So why are we worried? It was all just a bit of hot air at the time. And actually, I think, like you say, because it takes that time to investigate what happened, where there were issues and what could have been done differently. And then you've got the chance to challenge the fine and see, you know, can you have that negotiation that it takes, does take that significant period of time. But the figures are still significantly higher than what they were under the old Data Protection Act, which yeah. was that maximum of 500,000. Mm. So companies are not going to be getting off lightly. And it's been quite interesting because com- some of the commentators on this have suggested that the reason there haven't been other fines is because they've literally had to put their efforts into defending two rather large okay. cases. And considering the sums of money, the size of the ICO in comparison to the legal teams that I imagine that represent Marriott and BA oh. are probably a little bit different in size, that that may have distracted any other fines come in so it'll be interesting to see and this is just speculation that once this has been put to bed what will then come next because late last year there was an indication that there would be quite a few big fines coming out and that hasn't happened as yet so it'll be interesting to see especially as since the pandemic there have been some really high profile issues and I think that links quite nicely into what you identified this week in terms of the um, home office? Uh, So it's UK Border Control and um, it's looking at the way in which they're assessing people's applications to enter into the country uh, sort of on a permanent basis, so the, the immigration element and looking, there's been an algorithm that's been automatically assessing applications and looking at people's information to assess whether or not they hit criteria to enter into the country and part of it includes nationality now there's been a legal challenge i believe that says that this algorithm Mm. is racist because it's using nationality to determine whether or not people can can enter the country and it's been challenged and it just made me think actually it's quite an interesting challenge to the point of they are actually withdrawing it for the moment while they review it and they've said that it's part of their natural processes of review but I imagine that this has probably triggered a a bit more of an in-depth review of the the algorithm and how it works and one of the things that's probably less known and probably is quite important for people to consider is one of the individual rights that we all have as data subjects and citizens within the EU is that we can ask companies to explain how decisions are being made 
where they're being made by automatic algorithms so that we can be sure that there's no bias against us as individuals in that decision making. So we have the right to ask that any decision is reviewed by a human and companies have to be able to explain in a clear and transparent way what the process is behind that decision making for the algorithm because if it's affecting you with particularly this applies really when you think about things like loan applications in this case obviously um, immigration status you need to be sure that that's being reviewed and fair principles and equality principles are being applied to that Mm -hmm. and I think obviously if you've the the accusation here is that obviously what this algorithm has done is basically taken what wasn't an inherently potentially inherently racist system and then just applied that in an electronic format so that there wasn't the subtleties around it and I know we've talked about previously in in a different episode with AI and how algorithms are being developed and the way in which they're being developed can lend itself to bias which then has a risk for things like recruitment um, and profiling and criminal activity and all Mm. things like that that you can actually build in in the development of algorithms an inherent bias that maybe you're not aware of based on the way in which that is trained and I think it's really important that companies who are developing these sorts of systems and users who are being assessed by them actually understand that they they do have a right to challenge and that they can ask for that clarity around what is the decision making process why have I been rejected yeah um, to ensure that that it's a genuine decision based on actual fact and not one element that is influencing more than it should do yeah. so for me it was just really interesting that it, it made the headlines and but none of that element around the right to understand the algorithm and have that explained to you transparently was really covered. So I just thought it'd be an interesting thing to to think about in this holiday season as people are coming and going and obviously things are changing with Brexit on the horizon and maybe yeah. people wanting to look at their citizenship status and whether or not they they want to stay or, or they're leaving the country to go elsewhere. You know, there might be similar systems in place yeah. elsewhere that it's really worth having that understanding of certainly across Europe what your rights are when it comes to automatic decision making yeah I think the other thing is like there's where there are financial constraints on companies they will be looking to become more efficient Mm. and I think AI is a way that people feel that they can become more efficient and I from what I'm seeing I think they make that decision that it's going to be the case and privacy is not even a second consideration it's somewhere back you know several steps behind and it's only when they're challenged that it's taken seriously and stuff so I think you know if you're looking for efficiencies and you are in the travel industry and you think AI is going to help you with that you know think about what think about the individuals first think about their privacy protect that so that if you are challenged you can say hold up here's my impact assessment, which is essentially what happened in Wales with the the police force over there. They was able to demonstrate because of facial recognition that they'd done the actual risk assessment and that was upheld. So for me, I think it's incredibly tempting to think that new technology where challenges financially are in place can solve them. And it's like they might do. Yeah, I think it's easy to get attracted by the new stuff and the shiny bells and whistles and everything that it can do and I'm sure that there will be you know technology does move ahead and it does develop and you know AI is seen to be a a key part of what's coming to to help us be more efficient but it's so important that privacy of the individual is considered at the forefront of that and I think the you know the information commissioner has got some new 
guidance on that. They've been looking at it over the last year to try and work with companies and with technology, big tech and smaller technology companies to understand what the potential developments are and also to help guide them in their thinking and putting privacy first and making it default so that you don't have to go through crazy numbers of options to maintain your privacy that it's it's there and you as an individual loosen it as opposed to it being imposed on you so I think it's certainly an area to watch and it's always a struggle isn't it that need to keep have the law keep up with the developments in tech because tech develops so quickly um, and moves at such a fast pace and the law traditionally doesn't and I think that's where you get a bit of a disconnect if companies aren't committed to protecting the privacy of individuals in the first place. And I think everything that you've just described, I think also would be um, apparent to any company that is looking to reduce its workforce and believes that AI will replace that workforce Mm. uh, because it's a cost saving uh, mechanism. So, you know, take it seriously. Think about the technology, consider the law. Like I said, it might be out of date the minute it comes into force. But you don't want to be one of these companies that is found to be told to stop processing because you haven't considered it. And it clearly does happen. And it's happened this week. So um, yeah. it, it's mindful that whatever industry you're in, think privacy first and by default, not last. Absolutely. Well, it's been good Welcome to back. You. I know. <laughs> That was an in-depth, insane conversation. So thank you, Regina. I look forward to our conversation next week, whatever that's going to be about. uh, If there are, of course, if there are any questions anyone has for us, you can email us at thecoffee at dbxuk.com and we're always happy to respond for those. So thanks, Regina. And uh, let's join next week and talk about more data protection fun stuff. 